You are listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break, episode number 51. So guys, you know I talk a lot about mindset and really working hard on creating a really good mindset for yourself to set yourself up for success. If you are a creative entrepreneur, the one thing that's going to make you you know, successful or stand out from the rest is going to be your mindset. We are all given so many different opportunities and ideas and it comes down to our mindset on whether we can jump on those ideas or we can execute those opportunities. So, I have a really special guest on the podcast today. I want you to meet Shade Zawahi. Shade is a bestseller. She has a book out called I Don't Want to Be Happy, Said No One Ever. She's a keynote speaker and you may have seen her on TED Talks and things like that. She does a lot of women's career empowerment with you know, speaking on stages and on podcasts and all through her social media. She has a background in psychology and in law and MBA and she is a wealth of knowledge. I think I haven't been this excited about having a guest on my podcast for a long time. Sade is the person that I've been trying to get on here for so long. You should really go over and check out her social medias. She's on TikTok, she's on YouTube, she's on Instagram. She has a big presence on all those. She's always giving out so much positive information and really tangible things. She is one of those people that just gives and gives and gives. She is a leader in a community and we cover so many things today. So, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I think we should jump in and have a chat to Sade right now. And if you do enjoy this episode, make sure you share it on Instagram and tag me at jialong.co. So, let's get into the interview. Hi. So, I'm in stage four lockdown now. So, this is my first podcast episode since that. And um, I've actually got a really special guest with me today. Um, Sade, I am so stoked to have you on the podcast. Seriously, I think when I started my podcast, I imagined, you know, having so many people more so like yourself on my podcast that's not in my industry that can share so much light. And um, I'm actually floored by how much you do and how much you're a beacon of light in, you know, our industry in, in so many different industries. And it's so good seeing you like empowering so many people. Um, so hats off to you. I see like I've noticed over the last few months, you've really been pivoting your business more so online using um, TikTok. And I've seen that you're doubling down a little bit more on YouTube and your social media on Instagram and stuff's been blowing up. And it's really inspiring just watching that and watching you really take advantage and show up when a lot of people are kind of shying away. And I think that really like, to me, I see that as like you are a true leader and it's, um, we're so fortunate right now to have you on the show. So welcome. Thank you, Jai. What a beautiful introduction. I love how heartfelt that was just now. (laughs) Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And I just want to also take a moment to acknowledge you and what you do for your audience. You're such a giver. You have such a service mindset, which I love and I resonate so much with. So I'm so excited to be here to be able to share some thoughts and insights. Yes. And thank you for being here, talking to my community. I know my community are really going to get a lot out of this. Um, It's the most requested podcast topic that I've had of just getting someone in that um, knows a lot about psychology and... um, I guess like mind, a lot around mindset and, um, and for myself as well, I'm always learning. And for myself right now, 
I have lots of businesses and I've been growing lots of businesses and I've been teaching business for so long now. And I think, you know, just going into COVID, things are changing so quickly. Um, I'm always rechecking myself and I'm in really good habits and routines of making sure even if I'm not working, I, I go for a walk every morning and I listen to podcasts and I listen to audiobooks and I keep digesting positivity and, you know, not watching the news and things like that because that helps me personally. But I actually want to dive in with you today and talk about what we can be doing, like what framework we can be doing to really step in as CEOs and as captains of our ships and um, leveling up our businesses, even when the, there's challenging times. Yeah. And it's such a relevant topic to talk about right now because the world is going through this giant shakeup. You know, we've never experienced so much change and uncertainty, which is, it's actually very scary for a lot of people because our natural human instinct in response to change is to fear it. We see it as a threat and our body responds, you know, fight or flight. But that doesn't actually help us to be able to be productive and to be positive and to think about what we can do. And it's really interesting because during this time, we're seeing this polarizing experience that people are having. Either people are totally fine and they're comfortable and they're happy because their jobs haven't been impacted and the reality is not really hitting them because they're still very comfortable. Of course, yeah, they may be working from home, but generally a lot of employees, their environment is relatively the same. However, when you move into that space of entrepreneurship, business owners, it can be really scary, especially for people in the space that you're in who heavily rely on, you know, because it's photography, isn't it? Heavily mm. relying on events or being with people to be able to do what you do. And when you're in an environment where you don't have that and you don't know when that's coming back, all of a sudden it can feel very overwhelming. So my, I mean, a little bit about my background, I only left the corporate environment in March of this year. Wow. That, I had no idea, actually. That's amazing. Yeah. Many people don't know. I've been balancing entrepreneurship <laughs> with being a full-time employee and I spent 10 years can I it. Just Can I quickly just say congratulations? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Because it's it looks like you've been building this up for so long and, it, and I really know like how much work you put into it. And it's so amazing seeing you making that transition, but comfortably doing it as well, like setting yourself up. Thank it's amazing. You. No, it's actually like, it's, it's really exciting. And I know a lot of people, they have to make that transition at some point where they are an employee, they're getting paid, which helps them pay the bills and the mortgage and whatever, but they want to follow their passion and follow their heart. And there's a little bit of fear and anxiety that comes with that because you're going into the great unknown. So, I mean, for me, it took me two or three years of kind of preparation until I was ready. And then, so get this, so stop my full-time job. We were going to move to Southeast Asia to embed ourselves there and expand the business a week before our flights. That's when COVID really hit. All the restrictions were put in place. We had sold most of our furniture. We oh, were ready wow, to go. Yeah, incredible. we'd like packed our stuff and then everything changes. So <laughs> life is not what we expected. We, you, yeah, you have, we been have absolutely been impacted. The other thing as well <laughs> is, you know, I was doing a lot of speaking. I was getting a lot of speaking engagements. They've all been canceled because events are not happening. So, you know, from a personal perspective, we've been disrupted on many, many different levels. But it's, um, you know, it, it's been interesting for me because I've been able to apply the stuff that I normally coach other people on and I consult other people on around mindset and focus on what you can control and make sure that you're not allowing your mind to go off on a million different directions, which makes you feel completely overwhelmed, really hone that in. So it's been great to actually apply everything that I preach to myself 
and to see how I've been able to work through it. And I think it's so lovely when you can actually hear from somebody giving you advice or guidance who's been there and done it themselves. So to your point, you know, back in, in March when we had planned to move overseas, we couldn't. We were here. We thought, okay, what can we do? Yeah, we can focus on the fact that we don't know when we can, you know, we still want to relocate, but we don't know when that's happening. We don't know if events are coming back. We don't know what is going to be there. And if we focused on that, it would make us feel powerless because the reality is you're powerless to control what's outside of your control. So we thought, okay, what can we do? Well, we're here. We can move online. We can find new ways to engage with audiences. I jumped onto TikTok, which was a bit of an experiment. That was in April. It was mid-April when I jumped on and it exploded. <laughs> so in three, just over three months, we have 230,000 people around the world who I never would have expected to engage with. And the beauty is- I actually found you through TikTok. Is that how you I literally me? downloaded wow. the app because people, yeah, people said like, you need to get on this stuff. And I was like, isn't it just people dancing? And I scrolled a few and then you're, you just had like a little clip that came up and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then I clicked over to your Instagram and wrote your message and I was like blown away. I was like, this is really good content. I love this. Oh, thank you. And I love the way that you're using it. So thank yeah, you. that's how I found you, TikTok. Yeah, that's awesome. No, TikTok has been the best. <laughs> and what I love about it is that it's just opened up this giant audience that I never would have expected to interact with. And it's because totally. I just decided to try it. It was an experiment and it was a bit of a risk because, you know, with my content, I take time to think about what I'm going to put out. So it, it's a time investment, but we're not asking for anything out of it. Like we're not funneling those people into a freebie to get, you know, we're actually just genuinely totally. adding value and helping people, which is so aligned with what we do. So I run the business with my husband. It's so aligned with us. We're very much service oriented like yourself, uh, but it's been incredible. You know, I think when you do things with the right mindset and the right attitude and motive, the right people align themselves with you and opportunities just pop out of nowhere, which is incredible. So uh, I know that way too, too much. It's, it's like, a beautiful, uh, you know, how karma works. <laughs> Do good and good will yeah. come unto you. So mm -hmm. that, yeah, we've been focusing a lot on building online brand, um, connecting with people that we wouldn't have connected with before. And it's just been about adopting this mindset of what can we actually do? And yes, you know, revenue has been hit hard. Uh, projections have been hit hard, but we're using this time to build the profile so that when things open up again, you know, ideally we're well-placed so that people think of us to help them, to support them, to guide them. So, um, since March, since you're going to move and you were, you've stopped doing on, uh, sorry, you stopped doing, um, conferences and, and talks and speaker events and stuff like that. How, how much has your following grown, would you say, and your reach? Oh, huge. So, I mean, my because I was a full-time employee up until March, I was very conscious about my online footprint and what I was putting out because I was linked to the company I worked at. And I was in a reasonably senior role there, so I needed to be very, very careful. So, from end of March, jumped onto TikTok mid-April. I now have 250,000, almost 250,000 people on that platform who I never would have had. Wow. My Instagram has blown up from about 3,000 in March to I think we're at 16K now. And again, yeah, just the focus has been adding value, sharing. Again, we're not selling anything um, because at mm. this point, it's not about that. You know, Gary V always says, add value, as, add as much value. M make people fall in love with you for the fact that you just want to help them. And when you're aligned with that mm. and that makes sense for you, it's so fulfilling and rewarding as well. It's this idea of delayed oh, gratification, yeah. you know, you can try and get the money now or actually just add value and then things will come and they're the right things. They'll come when they're meant to come. 
I think yeah. what what this time has shown me the most in terms of people who are really taking it in their stride versus those who are really struggling, it comes down to mental agility and what's going on in your head. Because, you know, we know that your reality is a result of your thoughts. It starts with your thoughts. Your thoughts shape how you feel, how you then feel reinforces beliefs that you have, and then you create that environment around you. Uh, so, mm. it's it's so, so important going through this time because we know it's tough. It's very different. We're experiencing things we may not have ever experienced before, overwhelm, frustration, uncertainty, fear, anxiety. You know, we need to firstly acknowledge that, hey, it's okay to feel that way because this is a super weird time. But also, what can I do? Let me regain some totally. of that control. Can I tell you a quick story? Of course you can. <laughs> so, I'm always observing all industries. Um, I've been in so many different industries, but always observing. And um, since COVID-19, there was this new cafe that started just around the corner from my house. And it's next door to one of my favorite cafes. And um, what happened during COVID-19, my favorite cafe, they... Within the first two or three days, they put a close sign at the front and they let go all, all of their staff and they haven't opened since and I think they're going to close down. And the new cafe, everyone thought they were crazy because it's like you don't start a cafe during COVID-19, like that's not a thing. But the new cafe were already starting and then they thought, you know what, like we might, might as well like follow our dreams and do this thing. So they quickly pulled out the coffee machine at the front. They started making takeaway sandwiches. They made a full system so they could even do like takeaways and like deliveries and things like that. And I would say that cafe at the moment has a lineup like around the corner every day and I was talking to the owner and they said they've done 200% of what they thought they were going to do in sales in the first couple of months, like for the year. And what I find fascinating is they're both equal businesses. Um, one was well-established and already had more money than the other one, but the other one had the mindset of like, I can already see what's happening here, but how can, I know, I know the downfall, but what positive can I bring to this right now? And when all this finishes, that one that pivoted right there and then they got such a big client base now i know i'm going to keep going and getting coffees from that place so it's incredible seeing businesses pivoting like that it oh what a beautiful story that perfectly highlights this idea of mindset there's a story i sometimes share in my in my keynotes i often start with it and it's a similar theme it's where it's, it's a commonly recited anecdote where you've got two english shoe salespeople that were sent to africa in the mid-1900s and they were sent there with the intention to, to perform market research to understand the opportunity, the market opportunity to sell shoes. They did their research and then they reported back to their boss in Manchester and they sent a telegram or a cable message. The first one wrote back and he said, research complete, unmitigated disaster, nobody here wears shoes. But then the second one wrote back and he said, research complete, glorious opportunity, nobody here wears shoes. And so you've got this beautiful example where you have these two people in exactly the same environment, exactly the same factors that they're looking at, and yet they perceive them differently because of mindset, which is beautifully highlighted totally. in that story you shared about the cafe as well. It's so powerful. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think for myself, I grew up, um, you know, with not too much money and education and things like that. So I'm very, I, I have a very like streets kind of education and I see opportunity. So I'll call myself an opportunist because I see opportunity all the time. And as soon as COVID hit, 
um, I identified the problems, which was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to have less money now and less other things. But straight away, it was just opportunities. It was like, you know what? I've got more time than I've ever had. I've got more, like there's so many things I can do right now. um, There's more people online. I can reach more people. I can impact more lives. I can have more listeners on my podcast. Um, And my brain was exploding with all the amazing opportunities that I couldn't even believe were around me at this time. But what I actually find hard sometimes is finding a community with the same mindset because, you know, you can talk to your friends and stuff and they say, that's great, Jai, you're succeeding and stuff, but it's not like that for everybody and everything is doomed. And it's them with their own mindset and there's not much I can do about that, you know? Oh, it's so true. And there's a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of these polarized perspectives where you have those like us who actively choose to see the opportunity and then you have others who are almost just relying on default. It actually comes down to something called cognitive appraisal, which is this term in psychology. And it relates to how it's basically the mental process that we go through to understand the world around us, understand what's happening and our role in it. When you cognitively appraise something as being a crisis or a threat, it actually saps you of energy. It reduces your motivation. It drives you towards a fear of failure and a fear of taking risks. It makes you feel like there's no hope. And there's actually a neurophysiological reason for this because firstly, what's happening is it's actually activating the amygdala in the brain, which is your fear center. And that's causing a whole lot of things to happen. But also importantly, you get a shot of noradrenaline. And what that does, so you get more noradrenaline than adrenaline that causes you've got this muscle lining around your um, your blood vessels in response to the noradrenaline that smooth muscle actually vasoconstricts so it tightens which means less oxygenated blood is actually flowing around your body you're also breathing more shallowly that often happens as well but you're getting less, less oxygen around your body less oxygen to the muscles and tissues that need it less oxygen to your brain you can't even think clearly you can't even think with full rationality and logic and you're often swayed by emotion and that's when those negative thoughts can come in i can't do this this is too hard the world is going to crud you know the economy is going to be terrible all of these negative thoughts that then just reinforces your state on the other side though when it comes to cognitive appraisal when you see situations as being an opportunity rather than a crisis or a threat it changes everything. So firstly, instead of increases uh, of noradrenaline, you get more adrenaline. Now, what that does, that smooth muscle I was talking about, instead of that vasoconstricting, it actually dilates. You're getting more oxygen through the blood to the muscles and tissues that need it. The lungs actually dilate. You get more oxygen in. You're breathing deeper. You can think more clearly. You have more energy. You have more mental clarity. And then naturally, you're able to appreciate and acknowledge other opportunities and then take action on them. So it's this beautiful thing that we realize, you know, when we acknowledge the power of our thoughts and the power of what we choose to focus on, because what we choose to focus on, we end up magnifying because of how our brain is wired. Our brain is designed to magnify what we focus on. So if you wake up in the morning and you're thinking, oh, no, another day. Oh, gosh, the world is terrible. Oh, no, all these things are going wrong. There are all these processes within you that make you notice other things in your life that reinforce that state. Confirmation bias. There's actually another concept called uh, self, self-verification self where we like to be right and we will find mm-hmm. things that validate us. I was, I was actually going to say that, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, so then it makes you realize, okay, so if that's what's happening when we wake up and we're having a bad morning and we tell ourselves how terrible the day is going to be, it reinforces itself. 
we then have the power to change how we start our day, to change the mindset that we have when we wake up, to express some gratitude. And the thing I love about gratitude is when you take a moment to be grateful for something that you have and you make it a practice, on the one side, you start to notice more things to be grateful for, which is beautiful, Mm -hmm. but also you can actually change the molecular structure in your brain of reducing stress and reducing your experience of cortisol in response to supposedly stressful situations. There are all these beautiful, incredible things that come into it, but really it just comes down to, you know, what choices are you making about what you're thinking about and where you're putting your focus and your attention. Wow, I'm mind blown. I want to ask two things around that. One is, well, one is a statement. How amazing is it that your mindset can physically affect your body? Like how amazing is that? Seriously. It's incredible. Um, oh, yeah. it's mind blowing. Like I can't even believe it. So one question is um, when you say you wake up in the morning and just say if I'm generally a narcissistic person and, you know, the day is not going well and I slept on the wrong side of the bed, um, if I did wake up and I start, I started the day just saying, okay, I know everyone says this online, so I'm going to meditate for five minutes and I'm going to practice gratitude. Do you believe that over time it will gradually change the wiring of your brain and then as a result, as as you just said, it will actually gradually change your physical body as well? Like you'll be able to be um, less stressed. You'll be able to, I guess, identify more opportunities. You'll be able to bring in a lot more happiness and things like that. But just like going to the gym, is it one of those things like as you practice it more, it, it strengthens over time? Absolutely. I definitely believe it. And I believe it for two reasons. One, we know the research tells us that. And two, I've seen it in myself. So, you know, when you think about what is a thought, a thought is a neural pattern in the brain. Neurons are being activated and that leads to a thought. When you have a default thought, let's say you wake up in the morning and without even consciously thinking anything, you have a negative thought that pops into your head. That's what we call the default thought pattern. That default thought pattern has often developed over many, many, many years. And sometimes it has even developed during the first seven years of our life when we were absorbing everything around us and the subconscious just embraced the world. And we developed our sense of self and our sense of confidence and our almost our sense of optimism versus pessimism. Then as adults, we forget and we just become a passenger to these thoughts. But a thought pattern is simply a neural pathway in the brain that is being activated which then means we can create new neural pathways in the brain through repetition. Think about when, you know, I always use the example of dancing because I, I, you know, I was a professional dancer. So for me, when I had to learn a new routine, the first time you're learning it, you're having to use your conscious brain to think about it. But before you know it, you don't even have to consciously think about it. It's muscle memory. Subconscious, even riding a bike, we don't think about what we need to do. It just happens. Even driving a car. The same principle applies when you're learning something through repetition, you create these pathways in the brain they become defaults and then you don't have to consciously think. The same thing applies to thoughts. When you consciously bring yourself to account each morning and think about what you're grateful for or think about some things to be, you know, a positive spin on things, you are training your mind and creating new neural defaults and default pathways. And it can be really, really powerful. In fact, there was just some research that's uh, quite recent. I was actually looking at it this morning. And it was from it was research that was led by Christine Porath from Georgetown University. She suggested that when you speak your thoughts, they have a far more powerful impact than when you just leave them in your head. So when you think, uh, think when you speak positive thoughts, 
allowed, they often carry 10 times more power than if you were just to keep them within you. Which is why when we hear people say, oh, positive affirmation, you need to say them out loud, say them to yourself in a mirror, there's actually real science behind why that's the case. And then even more interestingly, negativity acts as a multiplier in this scenario. So when you speak negative words, it's four to seven times more powerful than positive words. So this makes us think, okay, what are we saying out loud to other people about what's happening? When we say something out loud, it's almost like as soon as we utter it into the universe, it just has so much more of a heavy weight and it impacts us more than we realize. So when we're talking about positive thinking, you know, a lot of people say, well, how can you be positive right now? There's so much uncertainty. So many people are suffering. When we talk about being positive, it's not about being blind. It's not about being fanatically positive and denying that there's, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. It's totally, actually, totally. yeah, you know, and, and actually that's called toxic positivity. It's not healthy. Yeah, 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 where you just yeah, hiding. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I wrote a book on happiness and in 2018 and it was on, you know, the research and the art and science of how to be happy and lead a happy, successful life. The biggest piece of criticism I got was, but you can't be happy all the time. And I, I said, mm. yes, exactly. I completely agree with you. That's not the point. It's about being aware that you know what, stuff may be happening that is bad, that is scary, that is, you know, it's causing suffering for people. Acknowledge that. You don't mm. need to keep talking about it because it will make you feel terrible. And instead, shift your mindset to, okay, we acknowledge that's happening. That's the reality. But what can I do? How can I help? How can I provide support to others? How can I be innovative and pivot my business? You're instantly regaining control. You're also regaining control of your thoughts in addition to how powerful you feel in your life. And you're actually able to do things that are productive, that benefit you and other people. And again, it starts with thoughts and what you're choosing to speak to others. I love that. Um, I think for myself, like I am, I, I've practiced positivity like my whole life and um, it's default now. And sometimes I feel bad for other people because I'm like, well, I am pretty happy all the time. But one of the really important things I do is I'm very uh, in, like probably for the last 10 years, I've been like practicing emotional intelligence in, in a sense of like, if I'm feeling like I'm doubting myself or if I'm feeling down or something's heavy on my mind, I will make sure I don't dismiss those feelings and I'll make sure I'll feel them out. And then it makes me even happier because, you know, if you sit there and you dwell on it and you allow yourself, like I will tell someone, like I'm actually angry right now and I'm going to allow myself to be angry. I don't know why I'm angry and it's just like I have to think about this. And then, or if I'm sad or something, then when I'm happy, I'm like, man, this feels so much better than the place I was just in. And it's so nice getting myself out of that situation. So I definitely believe in like being positive, but when I'm not, when I'm not positive, like I, I do share it and I do acknowledge it. I acknowledge that I need to like process something. And I think that's really important for your journey of happiness and positivity. No, you're so right there. And in fact, what we know a lot from, I mean, psychologists will tell you, therapists will tell you, the worst thing you can do is to not, to deny what you're experiencing and to deny your emotional state. Because emotions are, you know, you experience emotions in response to some kind of a stimulus, generally, unless you're experiencing anxiety, in which case, you know, there are other things that, that need to be addressed there. But often, you know, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling frustrated, feeling overwhelmed, there'll be something that you thought of or you saw or maybe you saw something on the news or you've been thinking of things and you respond to that. And if you just sweep it under the rug and try and keep going, it's actually really damaging 
on many, many levels. But my view is that you're then denying your human experience and you're denying that beautiful strength that comes from vulnerability and saying, hey, I'm, I'm experiencing a really down moment right now. Let me give myself the time to just be in this emotion rather than trying to escape it. And then there are some things you can do when you're in that state around asking yourself and self-coaching, saying, you know, what, what am I feeling right now? What has led me to feel this way? Why have I reacted the way that I did? What other things could be on my mind as a result of this? Have I jumped to conclusions? Are there things I can do? What can I learn from this? What is this experience telling me about myself? Because, you know, I once went to a, I was doing a positive psychology course and I was told in that session, they said, emotions are like data. It's like information. We choose what we do with that information. And that was almost like a mini mind blow moment because I thought, what a beautiful way mm. to look at this experience that we have that so many people think is negative, especially, unfortunately, men. Men in our totally. society have been taught and socialized don't to believe cry. that, no, don't, don't do cry, this. don't show emotion. Yeah. <laughs> you must be a strong man, be stoic. Don't show it. It, and mm. it's, it's really damaging. I think there's so much work that needs to be done in society around helping men relearn how to be men and what that means and it doesn't mean be being human, tough. Yeah. yeah it's just being human <laughs> and that's why i think it's so beautiful when you share your stories and you're so open and vulnerable about these things that's what we need to get to everyone needs to be comfortable sharing this because that is what everyone feels and when they hide it and deny it that's when they can find other outlets which are not helpful and potentially damaging to themselves and to others uh but yeah the the area of mindset is fascinating. What I'd love to explore actually and share with you, because I think it'll really resonate, is during times like this, times of uncertainty, times of potential overwhelm where people have been disrupted, we often see that they, these critical voices that we tend to have within us, they start to become quite loud. And then that shapes how people feel when they wake up in the morning, when they're approaching their day, when they're thinking about what the future holds. And I've been looking at these voices and what characterizes these voices because I do a lot of work with women, mainly primarily professional women. A lot of them are employees, helping them navigate that environment. But a big part of what I do is just focusing on helping them unblock themselves from their own subconscious blocks. And even reflecting on my own experience and then also the psychology I've learned that there's not just one voice that we have in our heads. There's actually, well, I, I believe there are five of them. So there are five of these kind of inner critics that are hanging out in our minds, just stealthily waiting for an opportunity to jump in and to take over and to get as much airtime as possible. And I'll, I'll take you through some of them now because now is when a lot of entrepreneurs will be feeling these. So, the, I mean, firstly, let me define what I mean by inner critic or this inner voice. It's it's a sub-personality that we have that, you know, we've developed over years and it judges us, it demeans us, and it shines a spotlight on all of our weaknesses. So it's, you know, we call it a sub-personality because it's not actually us. It is some other aspect that we can disassociate from and actually we should we need to learn how to do that. But it holds us back. It makes us compare ourselves with others. It it points out everything that we don't have. It points out what we lack and it makes us feel like we have nothing to give, which is actually incorrect. And it's a, a distortion, a distortion in how we think. So the, the first one is the classic judge. 
And the classic judge judges you endlessly, you know, what you did, what you didn't do, why you didn't do more in your business at the beginning of the year before this happened. Perfectionism falls into the domain of the classic judge. It criticizes everything. So you may decide to take action and then that voice in your head will say, why did you do it this way? Why did you do that? And it, uh, it it's demeaning and belittling. We also then have the victim. And this is where a lot of people are finding themselves now. The victim feels powerless. It's really pessimistic. It manifests in a, almost a complete lack of motivation. Like what's the point? And zero mm. hope. It's really, really closely linked to ego, actually. And it's always ready with a response of, well, it's not me, it's them. The whole world, it's the world's fault. And totally. you know, people it's give the away government. that it is, exactly. It's everybody <laughs> else finding reasons and blame and, and giving that to everybody else. It's a complete lack of ownership. And these people are waiting to be rescued by something or someone. You know, they yearn for that, but they're not getting it. We then also have the protector. And the protector wants to protect you from harm. So it manifests in um, almost an extreme form of risk aversion or a fear of failure. And it keeps reminding mm. you of you might fail. That's too big of a risk. Don't do it. It's trying to keep you safe. But it actually does that by holding you back from action because it undermines your competence. It undermines your confidence and your capabilities and it makes you feel paralyzed. Yet it's trying to protect you. It's completely counterintuitive. Then we have the ringmaster, and this one I find is really common with a lot of entrepreneurs. The ringmaster tells you that your value is based entirely on how disciplined you are. It pushes you to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing and never take a break. And it convinces you that the moment that you slow down, you're actually weak in a failure. And That's this is. Me. Yeah. See, I, I knew that you'd resonate with at least one of these, right? <laughs> so many people fall into this category where their sense of self-worth is dependent on their outputs and what they're doing, and especially entrepreneurs because your business is that, right? But it can be damaging because then you're not giving yourself the time and the space that you need when you need it. Mm -hmm. So then the fifth one is the neglector. And the neglector tells you that everyone else's needs are more important than yours. It reminds you that you're not worthy of care, and so you feel undeserving of any investment into yourself. Uh, I, I found the neglector is generally more common in women, especially women who are carers or who have families. There's this heavy expectation on women to play the nurturing role, and they've internalized that. And so, you know, a lot of women I coach will have invested in a lot of programs and have bought books, but they never allocate time to do them because they don't feel worthy of allocating that time and investing that time mm. in themselves. They're always saying, no, no, I need to make sure everyone else is okay. And totally. The, the fascinating thing about these five is that all of us have them within us. It just depends where we're at in life and what we're doing. You know, that kind of determines which one will come out. And so then the next piece is it, it highlights why we really need to be aware of them and know that they are not us. The biggest, most important thing to be aware of here is that, you know, they're sub-personalities. They're not really us. They're a different part of ourselves and we can rise above them. We can acknowledge they're there, say, look, I see you, I hear you, I know what you're trying to do, but I'm not buying it this time. I am consciously deciding to do something else and to be someone else because I know that that's my potential. I'm stepping into my power. That is incredible. It's been blowing my mind. 
It's cool, isn't it? I love sharing this with people because I get very similar responses. They're like, oh my gosh, that's me. I had a client and I read this to her and she just, she said, ouch. And then she started crying. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean for that to, to hit so hard. But I think, you know, again, a lot of the time, this is so deeply ingrained in who we are that we don't realize that it's not us. And when you hear it positioned that way, that these are like different, almost different people within us who are trying to hold us back and hold us down it's liberating because you realize, oh, wow, I'm not that. I can be more than that. But at the same time, it, you, you're in a position of huge vulnerability because you realize that you have it been held back. everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what we don't like. We don't like mm -hmm. to question our own beliefs. I know. But it's so important to do that. Independent investigation of the truth is so important. Um, I want to ask you a couple more things. I know time is valuable for you and for myself And as you, well. of course. Um, yeah. Um, so one thing I want to say, I know you do a lot of work for female entrepreneurs and what I'm finding right now is what's really interesting because I, I'd say most of my audience um, are females and there is a big reason for this. One is I find males very stubborn with their ego and I think it's going to be their downfall because they won't want to invest time money energy into something because they believe they already should know how to do it or you know things like that but i think um because females are so new to the workforce like you know the last hundred years and they're only new now to like um to business and being the captains of the ship and ceos and things like that and I can see how hungry they are to progress so quickly and they're so open to um, learning so much. And it's it's sparked a huge boom all around the world. You know, you've got the femtrepreneurs and, and stuff like that. And it's such a really cool movement. And um, what I find is when I do my workshops, I find it hard sometimes. And I find even the – especially like I find things like girl power. Um, I don't like that. And I, and I find it because, you know, we don't call me boy power. And I think things like that, I'm like, man, that's, it doesn't sit right with me. Um, and I think for myself, like the thing that I can do to make any kind of change is make sure when I'm educating that everyone steps up to the table as equals. We're not talking about females or males or, um, you know, race or religions or anything. It's like, if you're here and you want to be at the table um, and conduct business, like then that's what we need to do, which is, obviously hard for me as a middle-aged white man to be able to just say that. And I can't just say that to, to people. I have to, um, but I do need to open up the dialect so we can have a conversation around it. And so the thing I want to say is um, it does break my heart when I do workshops and I usually have about 20 people and it's usually 15 females and five males and I can always see straight away. So I have to do an opening speech about how we, you know, I don't want any excuses in these next couple of days. Like, I don't care what gender you are or if you're, you know, a mom or stay-at-home mom or anything like that. Everyone's here and we're all equal and we're here to, you know, ask questions and learn and, and take our businesses to another level. But I do see a lot of the my female audience like holding themselves back and it's really heartbreaking because it's not starting off an equal playing field because for them just to get to equal is already like – a lot of work before they can even push to the next level. You know, when I'm talking about next level, the guys are just like, yes, like let's go to next level. But the girls are like, let's get to playing um, field and then like push up. So 
I know a lot of my audience right now um, are female entrepreneurs and I know they have a lot of self-doubt and they don't feel like they're worthy to be, you know, stepping up to the table and be an industry leader and be the captain of their ship and being a CEO of their creative business. What kind of advice can you give around my audience? What a beautiful um, way to position it. And I've seen exactly the same thing in terms of um, the differences in in how men and women perceive themselves and their value. I'll, I'll preface this by saying that, you know, I've always deeply believed that men and women are like two wings of a bird. And for that bird to be able to soar, both of those wings need to be equal in terms of strength. And what that means is opportunity and confidence and and self sense of self-worth. So we know that women are more likely to focus on what they lack and more, which in a way is beautiful because it gears them towards self-development. They want to learn. They, they're thirsty for, for growth. But at the same time, if you remember what I shared before, your brain is wired to magnify what you focus on. So when you start to identify, oh, I don't yet have this and I don't yet have that and I don't yet have that, you're going to start to notice more things within you that you don't yet have. And yeah, it keeps you humble, but it also completely holds you back because when you're focusing on what you don't have, you're denying the fact that you also bring so many strengths and skills and talents. You have so much value to offer, but if you don't recognize it, no one else is going to recognize it either. You know, there's this famous um, anecdotal piece of research that was done with HP and it was looking at um, with the company, they were trying to understand what was holding women back from moving into positions of leadership? And they found that men would typically apply for a job, apply for a promotion or a job when they had 60% of the job requirements. Women wouldn't apply until they had 100% of the job requirements. So then naturally, who's getting the job? Well, the men are because they've applied. They believe in themselves. Who's moving up? The men are. And the women are holding themselves back because they want to wait till they're ready, because they want to wait till they feel like they know everything. But what we need to be aware of is that we're never going to know everything. We're never going to feel ready. You're never going to have a perfect moment. In fact, the perfect moment does not exist. It's about finding a moment and just making it work. And so, you know, and, you know, obviously I do a lot of my work with women, but there are a lot of men who reach out to me on social platforms saying, look, I know you work with women. I know what you're saying is for women, but it's really resonating with me as well because I lack confidence as well. So, you know, it applies to, to both sides, but generally women obviously experience this more. So, the, look, the piece of advice is focus on your strengths, focus on what you bring. I had an experience early in my career where I moved into banking and finance from the legal industry. This was when I was in corporate. And when I was in banking and finance, so I, I was in four years in the legal industry. I was riddled with self-doubt because I didn't back myself. I had imposter syndrome. I felt like I had nothing to offer. Moved into banking and finance with the same self-doubt because I had no background in that area. I studied psychology and law, so it was a very, very different environment. I'm in banking and finance and I'm speaking with a mentor and I'm getting quite emotional. I say to her, I don't feel like I have what it takes to succeed here because I don't know how to do financial modeling and I don't understand what these people are talking about in meetings. And I just went on and kept highlighting everything I didn't know how to do. And she sat there and she was, she was very, very senior. And she sat there and looked at me with a little smirk on her face. And when I finally stopped, she, she said, Shade, why are you focusing on everything you don't have and everything you don't know how to do? You're not here for that. Why don't you focus on your strengths, the value that you add, what you can contribute and find ways to do more of that? 
because that's what people will love you for. And it was a huge game changer for me because early on I realized that I was one of those people who focused on everything I couldn't do and I allowed that to hold me back. But then that also prevented me from stepping into my power and being able to contribute in the best way that I know how. So the advice I'd give to women is, yes, you can focus on all of your weaknesses if you really don't want to progress. But you also have a choice to focus on what you can do. Focus on action. Focus on what makes you uniquely you and just do it. Create your own momentum. It's the most powerful thing you can do. Awesome. Um, that was such good advice. All my listeners are going to absolutely love that. Um, hey, I want to finish off with just saying one little thing. I know at the start you said that you don't do um, any kind of like anything paid. So right now everything's just like serving, serving, serving. And I don't know if you mind if I give you a tiny little bit of business advice. Yeah, of course. Um Listening to you for the last hour, like I know a lot of my listeners and myself are like, man, like I want to join a mastermind or something like that. And I feel like you could do something so good. Um, and here's the reason. It's not because you need to make money or anything like that. But if you had a paid mastermind, Sade, um, the difference is you could make the, uh, such a bigger impact because what happens when people pay, they pay attention and I can say like I've been doing free content for so many years now and only like a few months ago I launched my course which is like the business map and the people in there now are actually paying attention and actually getting results and now I realize it's, it, I never needed to charge for it but I had to charge so then they would pay attention and now I'm making such a bigger impact that it's like blowing my mind like people are just getting those results and I feel like right now I want to give you money because you are the person that I want to like join a mastermind with. And I know so many people are looking for what you have, but you need to charge me. So then that way I show up and I, <laughs> you know, make it in an investment. It's, it's so true. Like we don't, we don't value things that we don't pay for. And as soon as we pay for it, that's when we show up and we, we get those results. It's such a weird thing to even say out loud, but it is actually so true. And you know this. No, absolutely. It's really, really great advice though. Thank you. <laughs> I will take it on board. I, I actually yeah. have that a lot. I have a lot of people saying, why don't you run group coaching or a mastermind? I do have a free Facebook group for, for professional women. I go live in it and I share tips and hints, uh, but I will definitely look at finding a way to bring people together and sharing sharing what they need to be their best. Because that, I mean, I'm the mm. happiest when I do that. And if we can find a way to pursue a career that we love and a business that we love, where we're tapping into what we love doing and feeling rewarded by it, that's a dream. It's a dream. Yeah, life. And I can see how passionate you are about all this stuff. So <laughs> it just, you know, like when we're talking about positive mindset and stuff like that, it basically just means like I am, like you are positive. You're like a magnet. So I'm attracted to, you know, what you're doing straight away because you're so, um, passionate about it and I think a lot of people don't realize this and I and I say this a lot right so what I'm saying to you right now is you've got something that I desire so much that I don't I'll open up my wallet and I'll just pay for a mastermind and I think when it comes to business um 
A lot of us try and do tips and tricks and sleazy sales funnels and all this kind of stuff. But the second you show your passion and you show up with confidence and, you know, you're the captain of your ship, the second people want whatever it is you're offering. And you see this time and time again. Like that's why we tune into shows like MasterChef or The Block or something like that. You're watching tradesmen, but people that are actually passionate about what they do. You're watching a chef that like loves adding extra salt and extra fat to their dishes. And we love watching their passion more so than the meal. And I think it's so important if you want to be successful as a creative entrepreneur, especially, you know, nowadays when things are harder, like show up with that passion and, you know, bring value to people's lives because you don't even have to worry about the rest. The rest just follows. And just on that, actually, what I love is that there's actually a psychological term for it. It's called emotional contagion where people can almost quite literally catch your emotion and catch your mood. And the research suggests it's because what happens is when we're interacting with someone or seeing someone speak, there are mirror neurons in our brain that perceive what that person is experiencing in terms of their emotional mood and then mirrors that in us and we start to feel that way, which is why also when you're around someone who's really pessimistic or unhappy, you you don't even realize why you're starting to feel that way too. It's the same principle. You're you're responding to what they're giving out. Uh, so again, yeah, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, if you want to create a life around that's centered around optimism, positivity, high energy, you want to bring that to everything that you do. You will attract the right people. You will create that energy in your business, and people will love you for it. Which is very much what you do, Jay. <laughs> So, I just want to ask my listeners out there, just a little takeaway. I want you to think about today, how do you make people feel in a room? So, when you enter a room and you're having a conversation, just say it's a dinner party around with your friends or your family or colleagues or anything like that. How do you make people feel? Because it makes a huge difference on your own um, mental health as well. Sade, where can we find you? Tell me about your TikTok. Yeah, come and connect. Um, I am on TikTok. You can just search my name. So it's S-H-A-D-E, surname Z-A-H-R-A-I. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook as well. LinkedIn, if you're on there. I'd love to connect with you. If you have any other questions about things that I've spoken about or anything else, please let me know. Let me know you heard me here. I'd love to, uh, yeah, I'd love to connect and just learn from each other. It's the best way. Totally, guys. And if you'd like to show people that you... um have listened and enjoyed this podcast, tag us both on the Instagram and um, we can share your stuff and say hi. So, mine's at jialong.co, as you probably already know. And Shade, I just want to say a huge thank you on behalf of my community and myself for taking the time to educate us, talk to us and inspire us. Thank you so much, Jai. Again, thank you for the invitation to be here. I've loved being here. I feel like we could just talk all day. And thanks to your listeners for tuning in. You know, it's beautiful that you've created such an amazing, engaged community. I'm so happy to be a part of it. There you have it. You can see why I was so excited about having Sade on my podcast. And seriously, I want to get her back already. I could talk with her for hours. And I love having people on my podcast that just spread so much positive energy. If you loved this podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on the Apple Podcast app. And if you'd like to reach out to Sade personally, find her on the socials and say hi. Let her know that you listened to the podcast and that's how you found her. And if you'd also like to say hi to me, jump into my DMs. You can find me on Instagram at jialong.co. I hope you enjoyed this episode, guys. I'll talk to you next time. Spread the love and create opportunities for the people around you. Make your break 
is brought to you by Jai Long and produced at our in-house studio Free the Bird Productions. We love creating opportunities for you and hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more information on this podcast, our online courses, products, workshops, or just want to say hi, we're here for you at jailong.co.